Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. Here's what we got for you this week. We're going to do the media reaction locally to last week's protest of the Outright Vermont fundraiser to help trans children. You saw this on our show last week, and if you didn't, go back and watch. You'll be glad you did. Lots of live stream video, lots of on-the-street protests. We're actually out there in the real world. We're also going to talk about how journalism has devolved into unabashed professional lying. How the Vanderbilt University Medical Center is running scared right now, thanks to Matt Walsh, and is, quote, pausing sex change surgeries on minors. Oh, I can't wait to talk to you about this. And we're going to talk a little bit about the serial killer connection between, well, borderline mothers and sons. So first, a little bit of housekeeping. Quick update on my job situation since I shared it with you all last week. Uh, As you know, I am the subject of a cancellation campaign by the woke right now. Um, I am being forced out of my job, so I have submitted my resignation. I will have details about this because it's going to be a really good story at when the time is right. The time is not right right now, but it will come. But it's going to be a very good story that I think will be able to show people exactly what happens over a period of three to four years when woke infiltrates an organization. But for right now, um, the organization and I, the board of directors, uh, have come to a mutually agreeable departure plan. And um, I thank you all for your support. I do still ask you on behalf of Kevin and me to subscribe and support us. Um, But that's your update. So last week on the show, as you know, the LGB Alliance, which is a newly formed nonprofit group that advocates for homosexuals and bisexuals, and yes, specifically does not welcome trans queer. That's not an oversight, not a bug, it's a feature. The LGB Alliance <clears throat> and several of us and disaffected viewers and supporters joined me, joined Kevin, joined Christopher Aaron Felker to have a silent protest, basically a silent protest. We held signs that said, gay, not queer. Uh, stop mutilating and sterilizing children, woman, adult, human, female. You know, basically the signs that you would think of as turfy. Those were the ones we had. <laughs> and it, it was a shit show. It was a goddamn shit show. It's like I said last week. It was as if Bellevue Psychiatric Hospital had opened a ward for adult children and then just poured them out onto the street. Screaming and yelling. Uh, little impish girls calling themselves boys going... <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like... <laughs> I swear to God, I, I was really tempted to say Rumpelstiltskin three times just to get them to shut up. Um, but the people who were there to raise money for Outright Vermont, which helps trans children and helps to secretly send things like chest binders to compress breasts and little little panels for boys to use. Uh, to make it look like they don't have a penis because they're actually trans. This is what Outright Vermont does. They'll they'll send them to 13-year-olds, and they will do it anonymously behind the children's parents' back. We're protesting this because, you know, we don't want to see children actually put under the knife or sterilized by chemicals. I know. We're, how crazy are we? <laughs> um, And, of course, Fred Sargent, one of the originals of Gay Pride. Fred Sargent was at the original Stonewall riots in 1969. 
In the following year, in 1970, he co-founded the Christopher Street Gay Liberation March. That was the original, quote, Pride March. Although Fred goes to uh, some lengths in his statement, which is on our channel. If you want to see his statement, it's eight minutes long. It's a wonderful essay. He goes to some lengths to correctly point out that this was not called pride. It was called liberation. This was not about pride and ego. Fred's right. <clears throat> so, of course, no local media, no Vermont media honestly covered the event. All coverage, all of it was happy, happy, clappy, clappy, clappy. Look what they're doing for the children. Look how inclusive our community is. <laughs> People drive me up the wall. Except for VT Digger, which covered what actually happened but lied about it. VT Digger, or Vermont Digger, is an online nonprofit newspaper. They very much want you to know that they're nonprofit, and I pray every night that they become less and less profit as the days go on. I'm gonna take you through the feature story that they wrote about this. I'm gonna parse this paragraph by paragraph because I wanna show you the subtle ways that alleged journalism is actually lying, not leaving things out, not, you know, not doing such a great job, actually lying, and they know they're doing it. But some of it is a little subtle. Some of it will be obvious, but I want to point it out to you. So as I read this to you, I, I'm thinking of it a little bit as a miniature lesson in what journalism is supposed to be about. I was only in journalism for three years, but I was good when I was there for my three years. My first job at a daily paper, I was winning first place awards at the statewide level for the Press Association for Investigative Reporting. I knew what I was doing. I wasn't good when I started, but I, but I got good quick. Wholly different set of values obtained in the newsroom when I was in journalism and what you see here today and what you're going to see from this story written by a man named Patrick Crowley at VT Digger. So let's go through some passages. Quote, they're referring to the fire truck poll, the fundraiser that we were at last week. Quote, as an MC kicked off the event, a handful of people lifted signs with transphobic messages. Almost immediately, supporters of the transgender community swarmed the protesters and lifted an array of flags, including a large, light blue, pink and white one, the transgender pride flag, to hide the anti-trans slogans. End quote. I'm going to need to reorient all of you listening to this to reality as I go through this, because Patrick is taking you out of reality. He's doing reversals. A couple things I want to point out here. In standard journalism ethics, you do not editorialize in a straight news piece. A straight news piece is what it sounds like. Simply the news. It's not analysis. It's not editorial. It's reporting the facts. This is not straight news. The reporter didn't say other people found our signs transphobic. He simply said they were factually transphobic, factually anti-trans. Hold on to that, because that's the pattern that he's going to continue with. Next quote. Outright Vermont supporters were perhaps prepared this time because of a similar provocation involving some of the same people which took place at the Vermont Pride Parade on September 18th. That incident in which an anti-trans protest devolved into a physical altercation garnered widespread coverage among right-wing outlets. 
Wow. Wow. I am, for, pardon me for the dead air I'm giving you, I am momentarily lost for words. Listen to how he describes this. A similar provocation, somebody provoked, and it simply devolved into a physical altercation. Nobody did the physical altercating. It just happened because someone provoked it with an anti-trans protest. Kevin, let's roll a little video and show what actually happened. Oh, no, this is from um, this video that you're seeing actually is from this past week. I'm sorry I mixed the clips up, but we were going to show you this one anyway. This is the loving community surrounding Fred. He's sitting in a studio chair. Uh, you see the supporters around him with the black and white signs, but look around the perimeter and you know, they're all holding up flags. And what they're doing, they're not only making sure that nobody who's participating in the fundraiser can see Fred and see his signs, but they're also making sure that Fred is not able to see. They want to separate him and they were successful. They successfully isolated him. This was the founder of what became the gay pride movement. This is the man who stood there at the Stonewall Inn for four nights during the riots. This is what they do to them. That's your loving community, okay? So if you're new to the show, if this is one of the first episodes you've seen, this is your lesson. There is no such thing as the LGBTQ community. It does not exist. We are in schism. We are at war. We are not on the same page. A similar provocation, he says. They are saying that Fred Sargent at the Pride Parade a couple weeks ago, a 74-year-old man who walks with a cane, Okay, who stood silently, did not say a word, silently holding one sign as this pride parade went by. They call him the provocateur. He had an anti-trans protest that, notice the passive voice, notice, devolved into. Nobody did anything. Things just happened. Well, people did actually do things. And the people who did things were not Fred Sargent. Do we have that video, Kevin, actually? Do we have the, um... yeah, we're going to show you guys this in a second. I'll talk about a few other things, but we're going to actually show you what happened. Fred was assaulted. It did not devolve into an altercation. Other people assaulted him, hit him, poured coffee over his head, and took his sign and knocked him to the ground. Check it out. You can see here on the video, I think we're coming into it. Um, yeah, our, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's a um, little bit small screen that I'm seeing here. I know I'm not doing a good job for you guys narrating. Uh, yep, they've. Uh, she's knocked him to the ground. This is a woman, by the way. This is a middle-aged woman. I call her Becky. She's grabbing a sign right now. She's knocked him to the ground. Um, Earlier, and we will show you this later, but earlier she literally poured coffee over his head. Now she's looking at the camera. Okay, so I wanted you to see that so that you can understand what's wrong with this article. You just saw what I saw. Everybody who just watched that knows this objectively took place in the real physical world. Why is Vermont Digger writing about this as if somebody just claimed it? Let me give you a little more. <laughs> Again, from the VT uh, Digger article, 
they started quoting supporters from outright Vermont, of course, people who are paid professional liars. Um, quote, much of the subsequent vitriol has been aimed at Vermont's LGBTQ plus advocacy organizations, including Outright Vermont and Pride Center of Vermont. Yes, vitriol. The vitriol that we are aiming at them is this. Stop hurting children. Stop abusing children. Stop putting children on a path to surgery. Stop showing them how to bind their breasts. Stop telling them they were born in the wrong body. Stop being sex pests, you ghouls. That's the vitriol, okay? Patrick, Patrick Crowley, I know you know what I'm talking about. I know you know what you're doing. Next quote. It wasn't shocking, said outright Vermont executive director Dana Kaplan in an emailed statement referring to the fire truck pull protest. Quote, because the protesters made visible the fact that no matter what LGBTQ plus youth live in Vermont, they experience violence, the constant threat of harm, and a continuous barrage of messages that target them, telling them they're not valued, cared for, or allowed to exist. Fuck you, Dana. Shut your dirty, lying mouth. This narcissistic reversal, as I say every week, because every single narcissistic interaction, all of them, has a reversal in it. This is their trump card. It's the only one they play. Violence and threat of harm. What did we do that was violent or threatened harm to those children? Tell me what the violence is in the following statement. I do not wish children to be surgically mutilated, and I don't want them to be given poisonous cross-sex hormones. I'd like them to be kept healthy. That's what we're saying. Please show me the violence there. Dana, show me the threat of harm. You, like Patrick Crowley, Dana, you're lying and you know you're lying. You're doing it consciously. I see you, and you know I see you. Liar. You are the one harming kids. You are a fucking ghoul. You, madam, you personally, are a child abuse proponent. That's you, Dana. You know why I get so fucking mad about this? You people listening? Listen to me, oh God, I'm, now I'm sounding like I'm yelling at you, you people. I'm sorry, listeners. This is why I get so mad. This, this is cluster B behavior. This is what a narcissist does. This is what a Machiavellian sadist does. I grew up with this. I know what it is. That's bad enough. But the fact that a woman like this is quoted as a kind, caring person drives me up the wall. That's why my voice is so tense right now. It is just perverse how, how, how awful this is. Mm. Let me tell you about something else that's going on in Vermont right now. You may have heard of this. I'm not going to cover it extensively this week, but you can look it up online. Randolph, Vermont. That's a town in Vermont. It's an hour and, a half, hour and a half south of me. Randolph High School has a volleyball, a girls' volleyball team. Their volleyball team has a trans girl, which, of course, as you know, means there is a 15-year-old boy with a penis and balls in the locker room because there's no such thing as trans girls, only men and women, boys and girls. He's been ogling the girls as they get changed, according to the girls. Ten of the girls protested 
the fact that this young man was allowed into the girls' locker room. So guess what the school did? I'll give you two seconds. Bingo, the school barred those 10 girls from using the girls' locker room because they complained in contradiction to the school's inclusivity policy, which the school is very keen to point out follows state law. So they're being punished for breaking policy. No, they're not. They're being humiliated, and the administrators are laughing at them. Don't think for a minute they're not. They're getting off on it. These are sadistic people. They like that they're punishing these girls. They like that they are humiliating them. They like the perversity that they're barring girls from a locker room so that a boy can be there. Don't think they don't know this. They know. They know, and they like it. <laughs> so, so what does VT Digger have to say about that? They have this to say. Quote, the situation echoes a recent incident in Randolph where a transgender high school volleyball player and her family have reported receiving an onslaught of transphobic messages. The harassment followed a WCAX story that focused on a teammate objecting to the girl's use of the team's locker room. Patrick Crowley, stop lying. Not a girl. Boy, you know it. You know you're a liar. The story was picked up by Fox News, The New York Post, and other outlets. See, those are big, bad right-wing outlets. Leading to a barrage of abusive rhetoric aimed at the girl and her family. You know, people have called me histrionic, and I'll cop to it. I am a little histrionic, but you got me beat, Crowley. Good God in heaven. Calm down, girl. Have a glass of Chardonnay. And stop lying. Again, there's no girl here. There's no girl. That's a boy. And no mention in this article of the fact that the girls felt violated by being ogled while they were walking around naked. They felt that way because they were being violated. They were being peeping tommed at by force by the administration. That didn't even occur to you, did it, Patrick? Or any of you at that godforsaken rag? Here's another one. This is where we get into Pravda-level propaganda. Quote, Fred Sargent of New Haven calls himself a gay American same-sex rights activist. He is also a vocal trans anti-transgender activist. The retired police officer attended the Vermont Pride Parade on September 18th, bearing a sign with the words blackface and woman face crossed out in red. Notice the conditional tentative, it might be true, words that Patrick is using here. Fred isn't an actual same-sex rights activist. He merely calls himself a gay activist. We can't know, but that's what he calls himself. It's written like the coverage of a murder trial where everything is preceded by the word alleged, but there's nothing that's alleged here. There's nothing in controversy. VT Digger is just simply lying. They're pretending that these things aren't facts. They would never do this. Never would they do this to anyone whose political opinions they agreed with. No journalist should do this to any subject regardless. This is a violation of journalistic ethics. It is so basic, I can't even believe what I'm seeing. This one gets even worse. Um, what was I gonna bring up for you here? Yeah, I think we've got another quote here uh, from Fred Sargent. Yeah, here it is. Oh, no, it's a quote about Fred Sargent. Afterward, Sargent claimed he was assaulted at the event. Um, and I can't quite read that whole thing because I got a box on my screen. 
said he was assaulted at the event and claimed that people poured coffee on him and slapped to the back of his head. So again, I want you to pay attention. He said he was assaulted. We don't know for sure. And he claimed, merely claimed, that people poured coffee over his head. Roll the video, please, Kevin. What you're seeing here has no sound. It's in slow motion, and it's pointing out our Becky here. I call her Becky, the blonde woman. There she is pouring her coffee over Fred's head. This is the same woman that you saw in video a few minutes ago, tackling him physically and pushing him to the ground. Now. <laughs> we'll just keep going. We're just going to keep going. Next quote. In another city council race earlier last year, Peggy Lures, who described herself as a feminist and lesbian, was also criticized for making anti-transgender comments. Lures died earlier this year. I can fairly hear the champagne cork popping. Did you hear it again? Peggy merely described herself as a lesbian and feminist. We don't know. She says she is, but we don't know. But what, we, what do we know, Patrick? What do we know? Well, we do know that she made anti-transgender comments, and we know that because you said so. You said it. And we also know the signs were transphobic because you said it, right? You're the sayer? Idiot. Fucking idiot. <laughs> There's more. I got to get my borderline glasses out for this one. We're getting into the real weeds here. This is a quote from Dana Kaplan. Oh, who by the... Wait, no, I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save it for you. So she says, Even in a progressive state, hate can thrive when unchecked, Kaplan said. He said outright Vermont works to support transgender youth and allow their identity to be something that is, quote, celebrated, embraced, and powers them through life. We won't let adults who bully kids get in the way, he said. <laughs> Stop it. There's no he here. Dana Kaplan is a woman. Dana Kaplan is a woman who, like many other women, wants people to believe that she believes she's a man. She doesn't. She knows she's not a man. They all do. Every single one of them. You know that, right? That, that not one of these people actually believes what they demand that you tell them that you believe. None of them. Except the actually insane ones. The ones who are actually deluded and out of touch with reality. So we are bullies. Are we, Dana? We're bullies because and we're bullies to kids. And what, wh how, how, how do we bully them? By keeping syringes away from them? By not injecting them? By trying to stop you and people like you from getting them to injection facilities? By trying to stop people like you from helping them to get surgeries? That's bullying. Is that right, Dana? Well, viewers, audience, do you believe her? I don't. I'll give you a couple of reasons. Let's take a look at Dana 10 years ago. There she is on your screen. What does she look like? Every other 28-year-old lesbian, because that's exactly what she was and is. Here's Dana today, 10 years later. Yeah, that's the effects of testosterone. Chester molester mustache. They all wear sweaters. <laughs> I, 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 I'm done, OK? I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm done. 
You look like what you look like. All of you look like some deranged fantasy character. You wear a uniform. You all wear the same clothes. You all have the same expression on your face. You all have the same bodily damage that shows up on your face from your cross-sex hormones. I'm fucking done with you people. I don't give a shit how much my words hurt you. Get Shut up. Go live your life somewhere else. Get away from these children. Stop it. Ooh. Yes, I'm, uh, as you can imagine, this has been a tough couple weeks. I am more than usually emotionally activated, and you all know that I am a more emotional person than the average one, but I am rip shit this week. And I want to close up just by giving Patrick a little bit of his own medicine. Here's Patrick Crowley. Here's his little bio on VT Digger. I'm going to read it my way rather than the way he wrote it. Patrick Crowley is allegedly Vermont Digger's Burlington reporter. Previously, he claimed, he worked for the Brattleboro Reformer and claimed that he, woke as a, he worked as a freelance reporter in Ventura County, California. Patrick says that he majored in journalism at Keene State College, where he was, according to him, executive director of the student newspaper. How do you like that, buddy? Sounds stupid, doesn't it? Sounds as stupid as your prose. <laughs> we got to take a break. Couple important messages first. Join our Discord. We've got a Discord chat server and it is hopping. Or as my friend Shelby, I'll get her. Hang on. Yes. Uh, it, uh, the Discord is lit. Thank you. See, Shelby says it's lit. It is so much fun. We have topic rooms about music, politics, culture, clustery, of course, uh, cooking, you name it. All you need to do is join up and support us. Patreon.com slash disaffected or subscribestar.com slash disaffected. See you after the break. The days of disaffected on Twitter are over, but you can still follow and interact with us on several alternative social media platforms. Find us on Getter at DisaffectedPod. Follow us on Truth Social at Disaffected. You can also find us on Parlor at DisaffectedPod. There's a new perk for Disaffected subscribers, and it's a good one. Patreon and Subscribestar donors, as well as PayPal donors, now have instant access to our backstage Discord server. Join multiple topic-based chat rooms and 24-7 open voice chat, and even virtual events on a main stage for hosted conversations and backstage podcast recording sessions. It's not Twitter, and you don't have to pretend Bruce Jenner's vagina is real. Sign up today. Well, we all know it won't last long, but let's have a little fun while we still can. Follow our TikTok account and get neck deep in the insanity with us. You can find us on TikTok as Disaffected P. Welcome back. You got something on your mind? Got a problem person, problem family member, problem coworker? You have somebody in your life who sounds like somebody I talk about on this show? You can book a session with me. Go to joshuaslocum.net and 
click book now. I'm offering one hour sessions to people. These are coaching and advice. I'm not a mental health professional, but I'm a very experienced layman. I know a lot about cluster B and I know a lot about group dynamics. If you have a problem like this that seems insoluble or that you just need to get your arms around, book a session with me. And I'll be happy to talk with you about it. Uh, again, joshuaslocum.net. Wanted to show you a couple of reactions on Twitter to the VT Digger story, simply because they really clearly illustrate what kind of people support this. Okay, so the first one here is a tweet that says, this was in reaction to the VT Digger story. It's unfortunate that every nonprofit is legally obligated to say they don't condone violence even as self-defense against transphobes who regularly inflict violence on trans people by spreading hateful messages and targeted harassment. Let's parse this. It's unfortunate that nonprofits have to say they don't condone violence. This is saying you should condone violence. We condone violence. We believe that we are entitled to visit violence on people. But look at what they call violence visited on them. Hateful messages. That's violence. Pushing Fred to the fucking ground wasn't violence. It wasn't even assault. We don't even know if it happened. But if I have a message that you find hateful, I've done violence to you. You know what? Thanks, feminists. Feminists, you did this. They took it from you. This is you, ladies. Thanks. Next tweet. And this this is this account, this account called Unsolicited Bridge Picks is part of a little cadre of people who helped to get disaffected banned from Twitter. Our hateful messages were visiting violence on people, but they can put this shit out every day. They can actually call for violence and they're absolutely fine. Look what they want to do. Quote, seems quite reasonable to take away hateful signs and cameras from bigots. Let me introduce you to the concept of theft and assault, you stupid Fools. No, not stupid fools. Not stupid. I have to correct myself. You know, I correct other people on this all the time, so I'm going to do it to myself. Stop saying that. These people are not dumb. They're not naive. They're not mistaken. They're not ignorant. They know exactly what they're doing. They are sadistic. These are not good people. Bad people, okay? <laughs> Here's a little funny for you. Because <laughs> God knows we need some this week. I'm going through the news and I see this and I just had to clip this. I didn't even read the whole article. I read just the fr the first um, paragraph of it. It's a picture of a bunch of people running in a marathon at the Chicago Marathon this year. And here's the title. <laughs> Runners in Chicago Marathon non-binary division don't feel celebrated. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> they don't feel celebrated. I'm probably mixing the numbers up, but when I read that first paragraph, it said some, I think they were expecting somewhere around 4,000 people, 4,000 alleged non-binary people, because that's a thing that actually exists or something. We're going to sign up for this. I <laughs> only got 100. <laughs> well, if you can't even celebrate yourselves, what do you want from us? <laughs> Give me a break. More good news. Good news and a good fight. Matt Walsh, commentator, conservative commentator, Matt Walsh. You hear him coming from the Daily Wire. 
He's not taking it anymore. He's not taking this abuse and mutilation of children. He calls it the single most evil abusive practice done against children in the history of humanity, and he is correct. This is worse than anything you have ever seen. Yeah, right now in 2022. Oh, I know. Back in the past, everything was really bad, but like those bad things don't happen now. No, it's happening now. The history books are going to look at now and say this is when they mutilated children and they called it love. There are going to be documentaries about this. If our culture survives, and I'm not sure that it will, I am not sure that this country will survive. In my lifetime, I do believe it's plausible that our civilization will collapse. I don't know that, I don't know how likely it is, but yes, I think it's a distinct possibility. But if we survive, there are going to be documentaries with this narrator guy's voice who said, when they said love, they were referring to penectomy or chiatomy. That's what they're going to do. That's what's going to happen. You're living it right now. Notice it. Matt Walsh has noticed it. He's been going balls to the wall against Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee, and their gender clinic, or as my friend Dennis Cavanaugh says, gender abattoir. For you Yanks like me, that's Brit speak for slaughterhouse, and abattoir is the slaughterhouse where cows are slaughtered. This is what they are. These are gender abattoirs. We slaughter the children, and then we put them back together as Frankenstein creations. So Matt has been just hammering them. And for his trouble, he's been called a terrorist. He's been called violent. Um, the American Medical Association and allied organizations sent a letter to the, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland last week asking for the Department of Justice to stop these people. Stop them from what? Speaking? Yeah, yeah, they really did. They really did say they wanted people like Matt Walsh investigated and prosecuted. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the worm is turned. Look at your screen. This is a letter from Vanderbilt University Medical Center to a Tennessee lawmaker. I know that you can't read it. I don't intend for you to read it on the screen. I just want you to see the letter, see that it's a real thing, and I'm going to give you some quotes from it. Quote, Vanderbilt University Medical Center approaches its responsibility to care for patients by following the most recognized national and international standards of care, while at all times doing so in accordance with state and federal law. Nonsense. They mutilize and sterilize children every single day. This is already against the law. What do you mean, Josh? What do you think I mean? Child abuse is against the law. Any sane, normal, or that is pre-2015, rational adult mind would not even ask that question. Every sane person would interpret the prohibitions on child abuse and law to include prohibitions on cutting healthy body parts off. Standards, internationally recognized standards, their standards come from an ad hoc group of doctors and lunatics that calls itself WPATH, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. I haven't done the counting, but whenever I see them on a panel, half of these people are transed out themselves. Huge conflict of interest. Oh, but they're the experts. Yeah. Yeah, on concretizing their trauma disorder and making sure that children are just as fucking crippled as they are. They figure out how to get kids into the gender wood chipper as quickly as possible. That's basically what WPATH is. Next quote. <clears throat> 
remember, this is from Vanderbilt to a legislator. You have asked that VUMC permanently halt gender affirmation surgeries being performed on minor children. On September 20, excuse me, on September 6th, 2022, WPATH published a new version of its recommendations to healthcare professionals. In light of these recommendations, and as part of our completing our clinical, our internal clinical review of the WPATH guidance in patients under 18, we will be seeking advice from local and national clinical experts. We are pausing gender affirmation surgeries on patients under 18 while we complete this review, which may take several months. Do you notice something? Do you notice the admission? Do you remember how we talked about this a few weeks ago? How all the mainstream media were screaming that Matt Walsh and libs of TikTok and other conservatives out there were lying, that they were lying and claiming that these, they, they, we did never did nothing to no minors. They're just alleging things that didn't happen. Screaming. NPR did it. Everybody did it. New York Times did it. CNN did it. Let me read it to you again in case you didn't catch it. We are pausing gender affirmation surgeries on patients under 18. They admit they're doing it. Yes, I am. I am so frustrated. I am so frustrated. I've never seen anything like this. I've seen gaslighting. I've seen lying. I grew up with it. I grew up with a world-class manipulative, deranged lunatic for a mother. But I have never in my life, seen my mother's level of deranged lunacy out in the real world like this. Astonishing. It's a good thing I've been to therapy because if I hadn't, I couldn't take this. You see how upset this gets me, and I know it gets a lot of you this upset too. It actually gets me more upset than you see here. There are times when I'm by myself where I literally scream. It's that frustrating to me. These are the people who are caring for our children, these doctors? This is, this is doctoring? Really? You know why they wrote this letter? They're terrified, and they're right to be terrified. They know that the Tennessee legislature in the next session is going to take up a legal ban on everything they do to children. They know it. They're trying to retreat tactically. They're fucking scared, and I'm glad they are. Okay, I promise that's the last time I'm going to use the F word. I think I've dropped it six times in one episode, and that's a little excessive. <clears throat> Pardon me. No swear jar comments either. They'll all get deleted. <laughs> you know, they should be terrified. And, and I have this to say uh, to Vanderbilt University. Get ready for prison. Accommodate yourself to that. I hope you spend from now until the next legislative session shitting yourself brainless in terror because it's exactly what you deserve. Enjoy. Now I want to turn to Matt Walsh himself because he gives a lesson that I think all of us need to learn, particularly people, and there are still, I'm sorry to say, a surprising number of them who tell people like me regularly to be more diplomatic to alter our tone, to be charitable, to steel man the opponent's argument. That's my favorite one. No. Mm -mm. No. You stop being such a pussy. 
I'm not going to stop doing anything. I'm not going to moderate my tone even a little bit. I'm doing what needs to be done. Not because it's me, not because it's my ego, but because it's what needs to be done. I'm not the only one doing it, and I'm just a small voice. You are the one who's not doing what you need to be doing. This is what Matt Walsh has to say to his detractors, and it's exactly what I would say to mine. Please roll it, Kevin. I do not apologize. In fact, by all rights, you sick freaks should be the ones apologizing to me for lying and defaming me and doing it all because I'm trying to prevent you from sexually mutilating children. You damned monsters. You child-abusing psychopaths. I wouldn't apologize to you soulless parasites if I had a gun to my head. Instead, I'd rather just tell you all to piss off. I apologize for nothing. I concede nothing. I will never surrender even a single inch of ground to a pitchfork mob of degenerate morons. You know, the secret they never say out loud is that nobody is truly canceled unless they consent to it and they willingly play their assigned roles. Well, I do not consent. And I'm not going to play the game. I'm not going anywhere. I am more motivated than ever to oppose you and to fight against everything you stand for because I hate everything you stand for and I hate it more with each passing day. So you can try to humiliate me, you can try to ruin my reputation, you can accuse me of all of the most heinous crimes that you can invent in your tiny, feverish little brains, but I am not going anywhere. Amen. That is how you do it. That is how grown adults do it. And frankly, that's how men do it. That's masculine pushback. That's what we need more of. And I'll take a little opportunity here, a point of personal privilege. Any of you watching this show tonight are former colleagues of mine in my job at Funeral Consumers Alliance or at um, People's Memorial Association, my tormentor, who's named me a transphobe, a racist, and a misogynist. Consider what Matt said, me talking to you, because that's exactly how I feel. I give you nothing. I apologize for nothing. I will never explain myself to you. If you even think to ask me to explain myself, you will get the phone hung up on you and you will never speak to me again. I know who you are. Those of you who called yourself my friends, those of you who called me colleague, I know who you are. I know who you're talking to. Word gets back to me. I know what you're doing. I know what you're saying. And I notice you not contacting me. Don't think you're going to get away with it. Our relationship is over. I want to turn to um, my friend Russell. He's a member of the Discord. If you want to talk to him, this smart guy from Canada, join us. Pay a little money and come and talk. He runs a, uh, both a podcast and a blog called Coffee Breath Conversations. Okay, you know what? I know. It's my thing. Everybody's going to make fun of me for fiddling with my earpiece. It'll be the thing that everybody remembers me for, the two people who actually remember me. <laughs> but Russell at Coffee Breath Conversations, that's his podcast. He also runs a Substack. He's got a great essay this week that I encourage you to read. It's called The Conservative Struggle Session, and it's on the same theme. It's on the idea 
that too many people have, that you can just keep being a diplomat, that you can keep doing what you're told, that if you just repeat the chant and you do it with the right smile, that the nice cancellation woke mob won't hurt you. It's wrong. Um, I'm going to read a couple of passages to you. Quote, I had just finished driving into work and was doom scrolling on my phone prior to going in when I saw that reports had started about a YouTube hashtag. Global News, that's a Canadian news source, Global News was breaking the story that the Canadian, I think CPC, Canadian Party of Conservatives, Conservative Party, had used the hashtag MGTOW in their YouTube videos for algorithm nudging. The term MGTOW, this stands for Men Going Their Own Way, is a throwback to around 2010 when the ideology really took root. Men, tired of being treated like human wallets by their borderline and narcissistic ex-wives demanding ungodly amounts of alimony, being victims of domestic violence and having their partners lie in court about them to deny them access to their kids, began to band together into men's rights activism forums. One of the collective think tank began a new ideology that came to be called men going their own way. An ideology that men need to focus on bettering themselves and that the needs of women and the need for women would come second to their own needs. This, of course, upset women. <laughs> These men were shamed, ridiculed, and in some cases threatened by feminists. Yep, they were. Uh, but notice, they did go their own way. They didn't keep licking the Jimmy Choo stilettos, did they? Well, not so Canadian politicians, as Russell tells us in a later paragraph. Quote, I thought the worst was over. Then Pierre Polyev, the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, <clears throat> got into it. I'm sorry, I cut a sentence here. <laughs> I couldn't even cover it over. When the liberals went in for the kill shot, Pierre took the bait. He stumbled over his words as he condemned the men going their own way organization. Parenthetical, there is no central men going their own way organization. <laughs> when he condemned the MGTOW and ceded ground, he thought he had dealt with it. He did so to thunderous laughter and table banging by the Liberal Party. The entire scene was derivative of a classic Maoist style struggle session. I couldn't believe he blundered it so bad. He then went up to, he then went on to bring up Justin Trudeau's nasty past, but that doesn't matter. The left forgave Justin already. He faced his own denunciation session and the left will forgive any transgression if it means destroying their enemies. Pierre played his role in the session and he chose to fulfill that role. Correct. Absolutely correct, Russell. Cooperation is a choice. Concession is a choice. Resistance is a choice. Fighting back is a choice. All of these things are choices. All of them are choices that are available to you. Uh-uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm not going to do that. Except then, and I understand, no, no. All of you have choices. You don't all have the same choices. Some of you have circumstances that make one thing more difficult than another. Each of you has to balance for herself 
the pros and cons of being outspoken versus your income, versus your family's happiness, versus your reputation. You shouldn't have to do this the way you do, but this is the woke world we live in. But you do have choices. It's not true that you have no choice. I hear this all the time. You can choose to stand up. And I'm sorry. No, actually, I'm not sorry, which I know I do that all the time. I say I'm sorry, and then I go, I'm not sorry. It's kind of a tick. <laughs> I've made a choice. Do you think this is easy? It's not. I have spent almost four years at my job silently, believe it or not, I know. I know it's hard to believe, but I'm telling you the truth. I have silently and passively taken abuse, accusations, and rumors, attempts to bait me, attempts to pry into my personal life, attempts to make me say the wrong, wrong words and trip up so that I can get reported to one of my superiors as a bigot. This has been going on. It started slow, but it's inched up, and it's been going on for four years. When I sat down in front of this microphone for the first time in January of 2021, I was shaking, bodily shaking. Not like, oh my God, I'm shaking right now, but shaking out of fear. That I was, I was gonna say something in public, I was gonna tell graphic stories about child abuse, I was gonna come out in front of the world and say, not only do I think my childhood was abusive, but I think the same kind of abuse that hit me in childhood is now ruining our lives and it's coming from the left. And I knew when I sat down in front of that microphone that sooner or later, this might happen to me. I chose to do it anyway. It wasn't easy. It's not easy right now. I've spent the past two weeks barely able to eat and sleep. But you do have that choice, and I'm glad I made this choice. Even though it's gonna be hard for me, even though my life is uncertain right now, I'm glad I made this choice because I can live with myself. We're going to a break. But I want, to, I want to remind you, we are on audio as well. So if you don't like watching YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, you can always get us on Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts. It's a great day to do it. If you've got your podcast player up while you're listening to me right now, just subscribe to us. Find Disaffect and subscribe to us because we've got some audio coming up. I can't tell you the exact date, but we're going to have an interview with Dennis Kavanaugh, who is a British lawyer, gay man. He's my age. Brilliant not only brilliant legal mind, but his facility with language is chef's kiss. We're gonna have a great time and I want you to hear it. That's it for this segment. We'll see you on the other side. There's a new perk for disaffected subscribers and it's a good one. Patreon and Subscribestar donors, as well as PayPal donors, now have instant access to our backstage Discord server. Join multiple topic-based chat rooms and 24-7 open voice chat, and even virtual events on a main stage for hosted conversations and backstage podcast recording sessions. It's not Twitter, and you don't have to pretend Bruce Jenner's vagina is real. Sign up today. Well, we all know it won't last long, but let's have a little fun while we still can. Follow our TikTok account and get neck deep in the insanity with us. You can find us on TikTok as Disaffected P. The days of Disaffected on Twitter are over, but you can still follow and interact with us on several alternative social media platforms. Find us on Getter at Disaffected Pod. Follow us on Truth Social at Disaffected. You can also find us on Parlor at Disaffected Pod.
Welcome back. And I want to say welcome to new viewers and listeners, too. Longtime listeners and viewers, thank you, by the way. I know a lot of you have been here from the beginning. Those of you who've listened for a while, this is going to be old hat to you. Here's why I'm doing it. New people come in every week. They won't necessarily know the backstory of the show. They won't even necessarily know why the show takes the approach that it does, why I take the approach that I do in the way I speak about it. So I want to introduce and orient people to the who, what, where, when, and why of Disaffected. And as part of that, I'm going to give some suggestions for two or three episodes from our back catalog that will help you to understand that and see the framework that Kevin and I are putting around this issue. Whether you agree with it or not is fine, but I do want you to understand it. So we started the show in January of 2021. It was Kevin's idea. Um, I was terrified of it, as I told you in the last segment, but um, as is clear, I pretty quickly took to it. Um, this show has a thesis, and that thesis is this. Domestic abuse, child abuse, the kind of psychology, the mental structure of abusive parents and abusive spouses is a particular kind of psychological disturbance, and it is not constrained or restricted to domestic abuse. My, my quick sort of glib line is that domestic abuse Abuse has gone feral and has gone public. This show is based around the idea of cluster B personality disorders. If that's new to you, cluster B personality disorders. What are cluster B personality disorders? They are a type of mental illness, but they are not like the mental illness that you're probably thinking of if you're just a lay person off the street. They're not, they're not comparable to, and you'll, you will have to, especially if you're a pro, your job here is to add all your own, not alls and all your own, but this is an exception. I'm not going to list them all out for you. I'm aware of them. You must do it for yourself. Okay. Cluster B personality disorders are not comparable to just depression, even major depression, or just anxiety, or even uh, manic depression, which we call bipolar. Bipolar is just a new word for the same old manic depression. They are, per, they're personality disorders, and that means something specific. It means what it says. It means there is something pathologically wrong with a person's actual personality. Yes, it's as serious as it sounds. Yes, it is in fact describing that person's character negatively. Affirmative. Yes. You can't avoid that. So don't think you can avoid it. You can't. Not all, but the great majority of these people, in my view, are bad people. There are bad people. Bad people are real. And when you have a group of bad people, you're likely to find that the majority of them have a cluster B personality disorder. What are these disorders? Well, allegedly there are four of them. I believe that cluster B describes a certain mind frame and that those people who have allegedly one or more of the allegedly discrete disorders, they're not discrete. They overlap a lot. I have met, I've met a lot of cluster Bs in my life. They're in my family. They were in my friendship circle. They were in my bed, in my romantic life. I have met very few of them who hew to just one. They've all 
got some mix of traits from one or the other. So here's what they are nominally. Borderline personality disorder, which you can remember by the phrase, I hate you, don't leave me. It's the hot and cold person, the emotionally unstable person who is elated one moment and five minutes later is crying hysterically at being abandoned or being insulted. Just complete unstable uh, reactions to situations. They're fearful of abandonment. They are needy. They're often clingy. They have huge mood swings, and they're often very manipulative. Um, the next one is called histrionic personality disorder. These are people, it is what it says, histrionic, excessive emotion, way disproportionate to the events that are being discussed or being reacted to, exaggerated facial expressions, um, and not just, you know, not just when they're when they're on and they're performing, but in in their whole life, they just react that way to everything. These people tend to be more gullible. They're very prone to fantasy. They're easily led by people who have stronger opinions, and they exaggerate a lot. Uh, for my money, of all the cluster bees, they're all a big problem. The histrionics, the pure histrionics, are probably the least dangerous. They can be irritating. But they're not usually, they're not usually as scary as the other ones. Then, of course, the classic narcissistic personality disorder, and that can come in the form of grandiosity. It can be, I'm the most beautiful, I'm the buffest, I've got the best car, I got the best bitches. That's the grandiose type. But there's also a covert or fragile type that appears to have very small self-esteem uh, and be very needy. But actually, they're really just like pretending to be wounded birds with a broken wing so that you will do everything for them and never disagree because if you disagree with them, you're insulting them and invalidating them. That's also narcissistic personality disorder, even though it doesn't look big and brash. And finally, we have antisocial personality disorder, which you know colloquially as psychopathy or sociopathy. These are the cluster B disorders. I grew up with a mother who is best described as a full combination of borderline and narcissistic personality disorders with secondary psychopathic traits. Our childhood in my home was a nightmare. I have a generational problem here. Those of you who are about my age, I'm 48 years old, uh, or 10 years on either side are going to get these references. Some of you who are younger may not get them, but I, I actually have a request. If you are younger than me and you straddle the line between millennials and Gen X and you get my references, but you also know some more current ones, would you please leave me a comment on the YouTube page and suggest a couple of movie or television characters that I can substitute for the ones that I'm about to say now? Because I want younger people to understand me too. So for us old people, and this is a little bit funny. I know that it is. It's conscious. But I don't. It's not a joke. I mean what I say. I actually mean this. My mother was a cross between a poor trailer park version of Joan Crawford from Mommy Dearest and the religious maniac, the deranged mother, Margaret White, in the horror movie Carrie. That was my mother. Another one that may be more familiar to you that, that re, uh, would remind you very much of the kind of person my mother was, if you've seen the biopic about the figure skater Tanya Harding called I Harding, Allison Janney plays her mother and it is eerily reminiscent of my mother. That is the kind of person I'm talking about. So I have two siblings. There are three of us children. Our lives were filled with, and these came from both my mother and from my stepfather, who is the father of my brother and sister, 
Naturally, because my mother is a borderline, she got pregnant at 18 years old, and he ran away, and I've never even met my father. Very, very typical. So our childhood was filled with slapping, beating, mockery of the children, pathological lying, sometimes beatings in public, institutionalization. My mother placed me in a glorified orphanage when I was 13 years old and suicidal. She did the same thing to my sister. They actually put her in a mental institution for a while. Actual abandonment of her family members, as in flying on a plane to a foreign country and leaving a child that she'd promised to raise with no help. I could not begin in five minutes to describe to you the absolute hell that living in that household was like. All of us children are incredibly damaged. We have made a lot of progress, but we are damaged. We have chronic illnesses. I had a heart attack at 36 years old. I've had many psychiatric diagnoses, all anxiety-based, all PTSD and trauma-based. So is my sister. Her immune system is compromised. This is a very common outcome for women who are abused in this way. Oh, but there was sexual abuse too, yeah. Everything you could imagine, including attempted murder. I watched my stepfather try to murder my mother while all three of us children were there. I'm not saying any of this. I, I am... And again, for the new people, please don't feel obligated to say, I'm so sorry or leave a bunch of heart reacts. I appreciate kindness. I really do. But I want to be very clear here. I am not fishing for your sympathy. Okay? I do not get a charge out of you seeing me in a pitying way. So please don't feel that you have to do that to be nice. I appreciate the kindness, but this isn't about that. I talk about this because I want to stop it happening to other people, but I talk about it for another reason. And that other reason is... I want to use this show to give you a key that set me free. When I was 41 years old, I very stupidly, because I had not actually dealt with the reality of my childhood, I used to say my mother was a saint when people would criticize her. That's how deluded I was. When I was 41 years old, I stupidly bought a second house that I could not afford. I put money into it to renovate it to make it livable because it was a dump that was in foreclosure, and I bought it for my mother. Why? because my mother has been chronically poor her entire life, and I have spent most of my adult life getting frantic, hitching, crying phone calls at all hours of the day and night, asking for thousands of dollars to pay off landlords so she doesn't get thrown out on the street, and I paid it, and paid it, and paid it, and paid it. Until I said to myself, I can't do this anymore. I have to take control of the finances. I'm the eldest. I'm going to have to take care of my mother as she gets old. Of course, I didn't have to do any of those things. Those things I told myself. But I went ahead and did them. Within two years of bringing my mother back into my life, I had a nervous breakdown. What does that mean? I could not go to work. I could not leave my bed. I wasn't actively suicidal, but I, I almost prayed that I would die in my sleep so that I didn't have to face it anymore. I was drunk constantly, and I was very tempted to add Valium to the mix. It was awful, but I stopped it. What I discovered was cluster B. When I talked to my sister and I said, what is wrong with our mother? Is she going into dementia? Does she have Alzheimer's? My sister spoke some magic words to me. She said, Josh, our mother isn't demented. Not that way. She has a personality disorder. I think you need to look up narcissistic personality disorder. And I did. And I looked up borderline personality disorder. And I spent a few days reading voraciously. And quite literally, I said, oh my God. This explains this for the first time in my life. I thought my mother was uniquely crazy in a way that no other person on the face of the earth was because I could never explain her behavior to anybody. I 
rarely brought friends home because I was embarrassed and humiliated and I didn't know what to say to my friends about the way she acted. There are millions of people out there. The statistics will tell you that somewhere between one and 3% of the population have a cluster B personality disorder. Bullshit. It's closer to 10% in my anecdotal estimation and I have known many mental health professionals that peg it there or higher. Can't give you the stats, but I can tell you, I don't believe the stats think they're out of date. What, is this, what does any of this matter to you? Why the hell should you care about this? Because what went on in my home is now going on in your life because you're an American citizen. Cluster B, emotional instability, victim camouflage, calling yourself a victim when you are actually the abuser, when you're actually abusing other people, um, lying, for monetary gain, lying for social gain, guilt tripping people, reversing the truth, substituting dark for light, victim for offender, sweet for bitter. These are all classic cluster B behaviors. They're found in narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, and histrionic personality disorder. They are the values of the left. They are the values of mainstream society now. The amount of narcissism is astonishing. I realized that the devil that walked in my house had walked out the front door and now is walking around in front of everybody. And I'm not the only one who sees it. Some, for some of you, this will be the very first time you've heard anyone give a hypothesis like this. And I don't expect you to believe it just because I'm saying it and you know I'm just some guy on YouTube. But if you are willing to entertain this, I know from experience, even if you're resistant to it right now, you're probably going to come around. And I don't say it to be egotistical, but I'm right. I suffered a lot, a lot. I did a lot of thinking, a lot of reading, and a lot of work. I've spent years on this. I want you to know it, because if you know it, you can protect yourself. Let me give you a little bit more. Um, I'm going to stop with this here. But if you want to understand this on a broader conceptual level, there are three episodes that we've done that I think will really help you. And I, they're entertaining, too. I'm a good storyteller. <laughs> Sorry, I am. I want you to please start with the first two episodes. They're audio only, and they sound different from what you hear now. I was scared. That was the first time I'd ever done anything like this. There aren't very many jokes. There are a few. They tell the story. The first one is called Mommy Issues. It was published in January of 2021. That tells the entire setup of what this show eventually became. The second one is called Don't Diagnose. And that's where I get into exactly what cluster B personality disorders are and the ways in which our society punishes us and says, don't diagnose, you're not a doctor. We are being told to turn off our own normal human intellect, our own intuition, our own gut feelings, and our own ability to analyze and categorize. And why are they telling us not to diagnose? Well, you might think, you might think it's because they care. They just want to make sure that no one is stigmatized, right? Bullshit. The people who are most interested in making sure that you think it's against the law or against the social law to say, hey, that guy's a narcissist, these are the narcissists. These are the borderlines. These are the histrionics. Remember, who benefits? Why might they be motivated to say, shut up, you're not qualified to notice it? 
That's your answer. So mommy issues and don't diagnose. And if you want a graphic and very candid look at what borderline personality disorder in a mother does to a child, we have a two-part episode also in the first half of 2021. It's called Over the Borderline, Part 1 and Part 2. It's about three hours of viewing in total, maybe a little longer. Yeah, I'm asking you to invest some time. Um, I think you'll find it worth it. But it's graphic, and I tell in detail exactly what my mother and my stepfather did to us children. And I use clips from those two movies, Mommy, Dearest, and Carrie, to illustrate the concept of borderline personality disorder, paranoid derangement, narcissistic traits, and alcoholism. Um, And if you have seen those movies and you think, oh my God, those ridiculous over-the-top camp movies, I still would ask you to please watch that. Because you know what? They're not over-the-top and ridiculous. My mother acted this way. That's not just something that happens in movies. It's real. So, thank you. If you are a new viewer, if you are a new listener, thank you very much. Welcome to the show. That's the show. Thanks for joining me every week. And if you're new, again, thank you for being new. I hope you like it enough to stay around. And remember, you can find us on Discord if you support us at Patreon or Subscribestar. See you next week, everyone.